I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hello and welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm your host, Tanner Campbell. And before we get started today on the 11th meditation of book two, I'd like to remind you, as is tradition at this point, that you can become a premium subscriber to this podcast for just $6 a month. And doing so will give you access to an Ask Me Anything feature where you can submit questions to me and that I can answer to you privately or a feature on future episodes. And you'll also get a feed that has no ads in it. So it's a really great thing for me financially. It's a really great thing for you listening wise to get rid of those ads. And it's just a great way to show that you support the show. If money's tight, I get it. I've been there probably pretty recently, in fact. You can also support the show by leaving it a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com, and I would appreciate it if you did those things. You can also, if you listen on an app that doesn't allow you to leave reviews, and I know there are a lot of those, you can also share it with your friends and family, members of either of those groups who you think would enjoy the content. That's another way to help me out. Again, today we're going to be jumping into Meditation 11 from Book 2, which reads as follows. Since it is possible that thou mayest depart from life this very moment, regulate every act and thought accordingly. But to go away from among men, if there are gods, is not a thing to be afraid of, for the gods will not involve thee in evil. But if indeed they do not exist, or if they have no concern about human affairs, what is it to me? to live in a universe devoid of gods or devoid of providence. But in truth, they do exist, and they do care for human things, and they have put all the means in man's power to enable him not to fall into real evils. And as to the rest, if there was anything evil, they would have provided for this also, that it should be altogether in a man's power not to fall into it. And that which does not make a man worse, how can it make a man's life worse? But neither through ignorance nor having the knowledge but not the power to guard against or correct these things, is it possible that the nature of the universe has overlooked them, nor is it possible that it has made so great a mistake, either through want of power or want of skill, that good and evil should happen indiscriminately to the good and the bad. But death, certainly, and life, honor and dishonor, pain and pleasure, all these things equally happen to good men and bad being things that make us neither better nor worse. Therefore, 
They are neither good nor evil. Now, as I've said before, I'm an atheist, so there are certainly some portions of Stoic texts which I have to struggle through because of the God talk. And if that's you as well, rest easy, there's still practical value here, and I'm going to take it sentence by sentence. Since it is possible that thou mayest depart from life this very moment, regulate every act and thought accordingly. We have heard this advice in modernity, though perhaps expressed a bit less bluntly and relying on the word regret instead. It's usually worded like this, when you're on your deathbed, you'll not be thinking of all the things you did so much as you'll be regretting all the things you were afraid to do. That's what Marcus is leading off with here. And we've heard it before from him. You're going to die. And you do not know when. If that's true, then when you act or speak or think, you should be doing so with the limits of your mortality in mind. Do you want the last thing you said to your loved one to be spiteful? No? Then perhaps don't speak spitefully to them because they may die before you can make amends. Or you may die before you can make amends. But to go away from evil, if there are gods, is not a thing to be afraid of. For the gods will not involve thee in evil. I think Marcus steps on his own feet here a little bit. He certainly has some level of belief in the gods, but he has in previous meditations, as we've heard, reduced them to something like natural forces. Perhaps Venus exists, but she exists as the feeling and force of love and not as a woman who casts spells to make people fall in love. Mars, likewise, might exist in the mind of Marcus, but he's not a man. He is the emotions of pride and bravery and patriotism that manifests in soldiers. He believes in the gods and in providence, but he has, again, multiple times at this point, reduced them to nature. And nature is certainly guilty of occasionally subjecting us to harm, but let's see where he's going with this. But if indeed they do not exist, or if they have no concern about human affairs, what is it to me? to live in a universe devoid of gods or devoid of providence. What Marcus is trying to say here is that we shouldn't fear death because what could possibly be so awful about it that we should fear it? If there are no gods, then what a chaotic and purposeless world we live in. And who would want to live in a world like that? We might as well leave that world. But if there are gods, then they are benevolent because they are logical and would want nothing for us after death but good things. I think from a practical standpoint, and especially if you don't believe in gods of whatever sort, this is a hard line of thinking to get on board with. Most of us, I think, would say something like, regardless of believing in gods or not, I fear death because it means no more of the wonderful things that are part of life and of living. Or from another vantage point, I fear death because it might take from me the most wonderful and important relationships I have in my life. It is hard to dismiss these two feelings, especially if you're not religious. It's hard to dismiss these two thoughts, these two fears, especially if you're not religious, by saying, well, if God is real, death will be totally great, and if God isn't real, then I should want to die anyway. That's not particularly accessible or practical, so let's see if I can make it a little more practical. You are gonna die, and that puts a premium on your time. It means that your frolic through the tulips of worldly pleasure and joy, we could call it, is limited, which makes it matter a lot more than it makes it not matter. So you should value your life while you have it and not take it for granted, using, for our purposes, the philosophy of Stoicism to ensure you're making the most of that life. 
And in regards to fearing death, well, if you believe in gods, Marcus's advice doesn't need any improvement. You've lived a good and purposeful life, so there's nothing to fear. If you do not believe in gods, on the other hand, then death brings nothing but eternal rest, and that is inevitable. It's not particularly logical or stoic to fear a long rest or that which is inevitable. Instead, you should recognize it, accept it, and make peace with it. But in truth, they do exist, and they do care for human beings, and they have put all the means in man's power to enable him not to fall into real evils. And as to the rest, if there was anything evil, they would have provided for this also, that it should be altogether in a man's power not to fall into it. And that which does not make man worse, how can it make a man's life worse? But neither through ignorance, nor having the knowledge but not the power to guard against or correct these things, is it possible that the nature of the universe has overlooked them. Nor is it possible that it has made so great a mistake, either through want of power or skill, that good and evil should happen indiscriminately to the good and the bad. But death, certainly, and life, honor and dishonor, pain and pleasure, all these things equally happen to good men and bad being things which make us neither better nor worse. Therefore, they are neither good nor evil. And here we return to what Marcus is frequently wanting to convey, that we, as humans, have all the necessary logical and disciplinary resources necessary to avoid or absorb harm in a helpful way. Is there a famine? Is there a death? Have you lost a favorite thing? Broken your favorite coffee mug, to go back to one of our first episodes? There are always ways to think about each of these stoically, which, by doing, prevent us from being harmed by the harm they threaten us with. To Marcus, all harm exists in the mind. Have you lost a limb? The loss is real, but the effect of the loss on your mind is where the real threat of harm exists. If externals cannot control your mind, then nothing can harm you. This is the origin in Western philosophy of the concept of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. This is where that phrase ultimately derives from. It is also not unrelated, though younger, of course, to Zen Buddhism's concept of the obstacle is the path. And to close this meditation, we have the final line. But death, certainly, and life, honor and dishonor, pain and pleasure, all these things equally happen to good men and bad being things which make us neither better nor worse, and therefore they are neither good nor evil. This is, for me, the best part about this particular meditation. Marcus is reminding us that the gods are not targeting us with events of fortune or misfortune, and that the fact that fortune and misfortune happen indiscriminately to good and bad people is not at all a mistake. This is also why we should not rely on good fortune to make us happy or use misfortune as an excuse to be sad or angry. Fortune, good or bad, isn't the thing that matters to our happiness or wholeness. What matters instead is our state of mind, which we have all the gifts to control, and the random minefield of good and bad things in our lives is designed intentionally to teach us exactly that. Your life, your happiness, your contentment, the level to which you are fulfilled, all of that happens in your mind, and if you have control over your mind, you are impervious to any real, lasting harm. Of course, as I said in the last chapter, 
Marcus knew nothing of very real mental health conditions which require very real medical intervention. And I'm in no way suggesting that you can think yourself out of, and I'll use my own condition as an example, ADHD. In my case, I have a very high level of dopamine in my brain. And while that sounds like it would make me happy all the time, it's the opposite. When dopamine binds to a receptor in my brain, or when any chemical binds to any receptor in any brain, it has a limited amount of time before it is released so that the next bit of that chemical can bind to that, sa can bind to that same receptor. The more, in my case, dopamine that you have, the less time each bundle of dopamine is permitted to sit on the receptor and deliver its payload of dopamine in this case. Since I have a very high level of dopamine present in my brain, those dopamine payloads, when they bind to the receptor, don't get completely delivered because they're detached and move along too quickly in order to make space for the next payload, of which there are too many. So this creates the effects of a dopamine deficiency. I have plenty of dopamine, but it doesn't actually get delivered the way it should. And while I could mentally overcome a missing limb, I can't mentally overcome a deficiency with the primary tool I use to mentally overcome things, my brain. Keeping in mind that this podcast is called Practical Stoicism and not Ancient Stoicism or else, it's important that I make clear this philosophy has immense benefit to anyone who would choose to practice it, but there are portions of it, some of which we're hearing in this meditation, that are more than a little dated and in need of updating. And that's okay. We can't expect a philosophy minted more than 2,300 years ago to have the benefit of modern knowledge. And we cannot pretend that modern knowledge has no value or impact. That would be highly detrimental, not to mention intellectually dishonest. Thank you for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. If you enjoyed it, if you learned something from it, consider leaving a review of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com. Again, if you'd like to get rid of ads and if you'd like to support the show, you can become a premium subscriber by going to stoicism.supercast.com and any support you can give, I would greatly appreciate. Thank you again for listening and until next time, take care. Take care.